And now, yeah. Dan, do you think Howard. that I do you think that I could uh, do you think that my voice could one day get me some very sexy voiceover work? <laughs> I do. Do you do you think that if I worked at it, I could uh, I could do some Dan Duranning out there? Yeah. In the world. <laughs> You'd probably be very good. You know, there's whole this whole undercurrent. Uh, it's a world of AMSR, I think it's called. It's a, yeah, people. we've talked about it. ASM is yeah. when you scratch. A, 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 a. You scratch the microphone. Can I you make an I observation mean? here? Yeah. You know, we've talked about, you know, pretty much every television commercial now features a interracial couple. Yes. Yeah. Or a minority couple. Which is fine. It's great. Super. Fantastic. But you know that none of them ever have accents? Yeah. Now, is this because the client, uh, the advertiser, wants to make sure their message gets out and they would be maybe concerned an accent wouldn't be maybe fully understood? Or do you think the strategy is a visible minority uh, without accent that's the next generation of Canada. Am I overthinking this? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what my voiceover career has to do with this. Oh, because you were talking about voiceovers. Oh, I see. You well, mean, that's why. That's oh, why. Oh, I thought maybe. Why no, I, I not thought, finish the point? No, no, but I thought you were like, maybe Howard could be the voice of the interracial families. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so I, I see. We went to a different direction. I'm with you now. Right. Yeah, I noticed well, I thought that. You were uh, finished your point. I'm, I, was, I wasn't even was, making a point. I was just being was, silly. I have no okay. points. You're the point maker. I'm just here to provide comic relief. Um, no, I've noticed that too. I, I think it's because of what you said. It's second generation, third generation Canadians of interracial and ethnicity don't have accents. I wondered. And part of what I was thinking while you were saying it, you know, there's all these couples on television, but you don't know if one of them is Jewish. Mm-hmm. How come you never see somebody going, you know, because we're not identifiable. So maybe there should just be like a little subtle thing where it's like, you know. Well, you're identifiable when you wear the hat. <laughs> That's right. I should well, just have an interracial <laughs> I call it the Habakkuk, but it's a yarmulke. Right? Oh, you do? Is that what you call it? Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't know why they don't have accents. Did I ever tell you quickly another Peterborough story? So when I was there, a couple of clients did their own commercials. So this created a wave. Everybody that was sold time wanted to do their own commercials so they could hear their voice on the air. And to me, it became a real problem because the stop sets now became like amateur hour. And it just and, and I understood why they wanted to do it. And I knew why it was good business. But anyway, this guy owned this Mexican restaurant. And he had a thick Spanish accent, and he wanted to do his own commercial. So we brought him in and sat him in the booth, and you couldn't understand a word he was saying. So I, I went to the, the saleswoman, and I said, "This isn't going to work." Like I know he wants to do it, but I like, what do we say to this guy? <laughs> like, how do we handle this? Like, hey, buddy, your accent is too thick. Nobody's going to be able to understand you. And I didn't know how he would receive that. But that's ultimately what I did. I said, you know, you're by this advertising. You want to get the message out, and you got a great restaurant. It's popular. Everybody loves it. But 
we, we can't really understand what you're saying here, so it might be better if uh-huh. one of our announcers did it. And he went ultimately went for it. Just at the end, he said some Mexican, right? Like, uh, yeah. like Ole or something like that. Yeah. Some Ole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that, was, that, was that restaurant uh, Wetback Charlie's in uh, Peterborough location? No. It was that one on Hunter Street. You know that Mexican one, Dan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good restaurant. Well, this is a wide-ranging yeah. uh, topic uh, to start the uh, program, and uh, we haven't even by actually the way, begun. By the way, yes, be yes, Dan, yes, Dan. I was just going to say, advertisers probably are trying to, to uh, I mean, they're trying to sell a, produ- a product. A right? product, so, yes. Right. A product, yes. product. Products. When you're selling a product, you uh, if you have a person with an accent, it, it uh, also telegraphs something, hmm. whatever the accent is, in relation to the product. Sure. And also, you're also trying to reflect... Uh, people of Canada, and I don't know what the percentage of people have accents in Canada. So it, you, you, if you're having an accent in a commercial, I think it would be probably for a purpose to reflect something specific. But the bottom line is, you got to understand what the person's saying. Yeah, you can't have a, a oh, couple yeah. in a commercial where one, they, you have to have subtitles. So we record the first one, and I'm looking at the producer kid going, what's he saying? Like, like I don't know what he's saying. But well, you can guy, and it was a yeah. fun thing, and it was a learning experience for all. How oh my god! How you delicately handle such a situation? Anyways, I want to get back to uh, maybe maybe Our, we should just do the entire show in Dandoran low voice. Yeah. Oh, Dandoran. Dan, I'll talk quietly. Well, what happened was about two twenty years ago. Uh, there was a shift. In not only television production, but in radio and voiceover for television production, which was getting away from guys who had voices that sounded like ours. You yeah. know, people that sort of have radio voices. And it used to bug me when people would say, even yesterday, not, but not, not that it bugged me yesterday, but I had somebody in looking at the uh, moisture situation. And he looked around here in the studio said, oh, you do a radio show? I said, yeah. I said, well, you have a, a good voice for radio. And I'm like, thank you. Because I guess to the average person, when they meet us, it's we sound like somebody that they've heard doing, you know, radio or TV. But about 20 years ago, our, well, certainly my voice, but even a little bit of your announcer stuff kind of went out of style, you know. It was yeah. more, it, it was became more natural voices and, you know, less higher, sort of. Higher pitched, younger Higher pitched, younger sounding. You know, uh, Lumby, who's going to be on the show today, did a lot of work because very natural sort of everyman sound. But, uh, yeah, there was a time there for a few years when I first got here. I was pretty busy. I mean, I did a lot of voiceover. I did a lot of announcer reads. I did a lot of comedic stuff. But at some point, they didn't want people that sounded like they were on the radio. And for better or worse, we sort of sound like that. And wasn't there a problem for people, like for very, very popular radio personalities in the city they didn't want to use you because people would identify that voice yeah. with the product and it would end up on another station and that became an issue well it became an issue for me around the mid 90s to late 90s when when i had a more identical and just for what you said they, they i would go in and all of a sudden the people in the agency knew us listened to our show and sort of shied away from that partly because that because when you do national spots when you do commercials it doesn't just run on your own radio station right. so my voice or even yours would be more identifiable and the guy doing Q mornings didn't want to be you know running a stop set with Humble and Fred on it yes 
Eventually, he didn't even want to be in the same building as Humble and Fred. <laughs> but that's a different story. And now it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He went from not wanting uh, our voice on commercials to not wanting our voice in the halls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember when I got it involved in that agency thing because everybody else did. And I just remember some days, like driving back to Brampton and having an audition at one o'clock. So, and then having to drive back into the city for the audition. Oh and, yeah, or like at three o'clock or something, <sighs> back home, and then and then figuring out what would this? Even if I got this, what would it pay? And is the, is it worth it to be doing this? And luckily, I didn't get enough jobs, so it it, it became quite clear that it might be time to hang up my voiceover hat and stay in Brampton. You know, and it's similar to, to me, you know, I, at some point our careers were going, you know, well enough that driving back in from Oakville, you know, I'd, we'd leave the city, you know, most days we'd leave around 11 or thereabouts, get back to home and then have to come back for a two o'clock appointment at an agency downtown and, and not thinking I was going to start, you know, it got to the point where I wasn't getting that much stuff. But I'll tell you what, Dan, this remote stuff that we do now like i i do auditions here you do auditions and i your haven't setup. been to a voiceover audition in person for two years yeah all the auditions are online now well and so that that would have really made a difference back in those days oh, yeah, because yeah. you know we could have auditioned at home and then if you get it it's worth it but i remember you know jeff's wife is was my agent still is for for a long time and and i got to the point where i just said to her i you know, coming back to the audition at three in the afternoon isn't going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Julie was Julie was brutally honest with me because I had an I was with an agency and I wasn't getting much stuff, which I understood because I'm just I'm not cut out for that. I just don't have that type of. Thing. Well, it was also not part of your background. It was part of no. all of our backgrounds, right? It's what we all did when we were growing up doing this. So when Julie started her agency, I called her up one day and I said, can I come over with you? And then she said, oh, leave that with me. And then she got back to me a couple of days later and she said, you know what, Fred? We're better off really not doing this. She said, you'll be coming down here all the time. And I think that revolution had started that you guys were talking about. Yeah, it was more voice voice acting. Yes. Rather than announcing. And it was like she was honest with me and she said, you might want to do yourself a favor and not deal with this. And uh, so I didn't. Although I got a couple of those where they called and just said they wanted you, right? Yeah, yeah. And have to audition. Like, I had this infinity thing. And it was, again, the, na- the average hoser guy talking about an infinity. And that paid me thousands of dollars. And and I don't even know if I ever heard one on the on the radio because, you know, the Edge didn't play Infinity commercials. No. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you quickly before we start the show that the most lucrative gig I ever had uh, was I was the I got to be the promo voice of McDonald's for about a year. And, oh. and, and what that was, and Dan, you know what it is like. The, the reason I said promo is because they changed their, they changed their um, contesting and their promos very often. And so for about a year, I was going in a, f- a few times a week, the most money I've ever made doing voice- voiceover. And I remember exactly, it was 1996, and how I know that is I was doing Ed's Night Party. Mm. 
And remember, I had this gig and it had paid me thousands of dollars because of the frequency of times I would go in and do, you know, this week at McDonald's, McHappy Meal or whatever the thing was. And they changed it all the time. So I'm doing Ed's night party. And one of the monologue jokes was around the time that somebody got burned drinking McDonald's coffee. Remember that famous case where the coffee spilt on her lap? And everyone thought it was a big joke. It turned out not to be, obviously. So I made this joke on Ed's Night Party. I said something like, how hot does the coffee have to be? It's not like they're making their fries in it. And that was really the extent of it. It was just kind of like a subtle dig. Pardon me? Yeah, like what's wrong with that? I, I didn't think anything. And then I get a call that they've gone with somebody else because somebody from the agency who knew I was Humble Howard had watched the show and had gotten back and the client didn't like it, et cetera, et cetera. And I went from doing this every week to having to being dropped because of the stupid puppet. But I, I really wasn't like, I, you know, listen, I've done other things way worse than that. But yeah, that joke, that little bit cost me thousands of dollars. And what was it again? Say it again. I think they were, it wasn't so much the bit was the problem. It was that I was commenting on this case around the time that it happened. Oh, okay. All I said was, you know, I, was, I referenced the fact that a woman was, you know, burned drinking a cup of McDonald's coffee. This is me saying it on, on television. Right. Drinking a cup of McDonald's coffee. Why does the coffee be, have to be so hot? It's not like they're making their fries in it. Right, I see. Some okay, little yeah. benign. Right. You know, not even that funny, but I was trying to connect the two and it just sort of came out of my mouth. And I was told later that that's how it happened. Somebody from the agency was alerted by the McDonald's who found out that I was the voice. Oh. And, you know, what wouldn't have happened if I the thing is, if it wasn't me, someone it was just a regular announcer that they wouldn't have made the connection. But because they knew us. Right. Somehow. I Anyway. I don't get like if you'd have said something like she dropped the coffee in her lap and burned her lower lips, then that might have been something that they took exception. <laughs> I wish I, I wish that had been the joke. It's better. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's not like she's drinking the coffee with his snitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, at that time, it also would have been interpreted as not being loyal to the brand or the, you know, who's paying your check. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, dollars yeah. and cents. <clears throat> dollar, it all well, comes down to dollars and cents. Well, whatever it was, I think they were sensitive to around the time because there was a lot of bad publicity around it. Whatever. All I know is it was a gig that I'd had for a while. I thought, man, that could have gone on. That would have... Uh, would have paid for something, Dan. Yeah, well, you, could have, you could have put a pool in your front yard. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Dan, to this day. What, was, uh, what, what do you think was your sort of most lucrative in terms of an ongoing presence? Was it the Ford stuff you did back in the 90s? or There was Ford. There was Nissan. There was... Uh, I got a lot of money out of Werther's. Uh, Were you a Werther's original guy? Yeah, I did Werther's for a long time. It was, and it wasn't a big. It was just a few words at the end of the commercial. And, did you? Uh, Honey Nut Cheerios for a while. Fuck. Uh, what was the other one that? Uh, Are we talking like tens of thousands? But you, oh, rice. that's right. You were the rice crispies. But was Ford like your biggest like ongoing? It was you were the Ford. No, all of those were big that I mentioned. Like they tens were, of thousands yeah. of dollars. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, didn't you buy a Ford because you thought you should? Uh, yeah, at least a Ford. Yeah. That, and that um, was uh, that Explorer, the, station, yeah. uh, the Explorer, and also the Probe. Remember the Probe? All oh, right, Probe, the Probe. 
Yeah. The, mm-hmm. That's what he calls it now. The Dan Probe. <laughs> I've always called And when he gets probe. an erection, he says, up periscope. Dad, dad, as soon as you said probe, you open the door. That's right. yeah, the same that? door that opened way back then, because I was on the show at the time. Did you uh, hear me say that when Dan gets a boner, and he says, up periscope? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you did, because I thought it was... Hey, here's mm-hmm. a question I had for you guys yesterday. Because um, I've known both of you and uh, for a long time. And, you know... I know this from being in, in proximity with both of you, even though one of you doesn't wear deodorant. Neither of you stink. You know, some people have a B.O. They do. But you two don't. And for the most part, I don't think I do. But I have mentioned to, to you this. I've mentioned this to you before. And that is, for some reason lately, my left armpit has gone off the fucking grid. One pit? <laughs> Only one, one pit? Just one pit. <laughs> Really? I got a one pit stink. I got a one pit stink, Jerry. Yeah, Why would that I, I don't be? know. I, I yesterday I was wearing a t shirt, uh-huh. the, the one on the show, just a stupid golf t shirt. Uh-huh. And uh, about halfway through the morning, I was like, my my my, and I had taken a shower. I put on deodorant, but somehow there was left pit stink baked into the shirt. And as I started to warm up. The uh, smell emanated from it, and that, but it was only the one. Like, well, why don't you start using an antiperspirant on that one? Uh, well, that because would be it, deodorant. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not deodorant. Yeah, no, the, there's antiperspirant and there's deodorant. Right. Then the deodorant is deodorizing the stink, right? Isn't it? You know, well, yeah, I don't. But yeah, antiperspirant. Wait a minute. The antiperspirant <laughs> helps clo- keep the pores closed. Oh, does it? Perspirant. Perspirant. Antiperspiring. Is. Yes, of yes. course. But has this ever happened to you two, gentlemen? No. Dan doesn't wear deodorant or antiperspirant and just uh, emanates nothing but uh, butterflies and roses. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Dan's like my one problem, of those candles. My problem's with my feet. If I wear, like, sneakers or shoes without socks, like a lot of guys like to in the summer, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's awful. And I've always had that problem. So I always have to wear... Uh, Socks, even you know, because I have a couple of pairs of shoes that would look pretty cool, like without socks, but I just can't do it because I, I can stink them up in a day. So that's where my stink manifests, not under my arms. Dan, what about feet. you? Where does your stink manifest from, or do you even have these regular human uh, issues? Well, over a longer period of time, it would be the the shoe thing, but I've never really had a, a problem with the uh, the armpit stuff ever. I thought I did. I was I, I bought into the whole antiperspirant game in the early days. Yeah, you, you, know, you stuck it to big. It. You stuck it to big perspirant. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Dad stuck it to big deodorant. Yeah, big deodorant. Yeah, yeah. big deodorant. But again, there's two different products there. I like using a deodorant just because there's some nice smelling ones, and yeah. I've never been like a cologne guy. Yeah, me neither. Right. So that little subtle, nice sort of fresh soapy. Smell, it's, yeah, yeah. Like, so what are you an old like, spice guy then, or what? Uh, there might be. Delise buys me this one, and it's red. It's a stick, and I just give it a quick wipe after my shower, and it's just yeah. But, but you don't. And again, that's not an antiperspirant. That's just the deodorant. Yeah. I, I don't have a. I don't have a perspiration issue, although I right. do sweat. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is not the first time I've. Sh- I, and, I, and it's the left one. The left one seems to just be. That's weird. Because my right I, one, I look into that. 
Your body's telling you something. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's telling you. No, it's off kilter or something. <laughs> you know what it's telling me? <laughs> Stay away from your left pit. That pit, and it was, and it was rancid. It, it wasn't like a subtle, like, oh, that's that's odd. It was like, what have I done? Uh, uh-huh. All right, and now here's a man who's just uh, he doesn't have regular experiences. He's just perfect. <laughs> it's Dan Daru, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, Brampton, and from the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake, and is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Hush Blankets, and our newest sponsor. I'm sorry. Our n- what happened? Where'd you go? I was. I think I, it, it uh, disappeared on me. Relaxacare. Relaxacare. There you go. No sponsor, Relaxacare. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. It did itself. You gave it to me, and it. Uh, and you know, if you had a mouse, Dan, you'd be uh, perfect. <laughs> and now here are two men who think since the Queen. I'm sorry. I, here are two men who since the Queen was single. <laughs> It would be cool to be a prince, but Fred is already married, and Elizabeth is not so big on a Prince Howard Duchess of Cornwall, and she really doesn't want to live on the Queen's Way in a walk-up. It's the very unroyal, humble, and Fred. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Charles and Camilla. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we're going to get to those, I guess. I, 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 I was going to mention Charles and Camilla, but I don't need another three-minute anti-monarchy rant from him. I'll just play the other ones that I have. <laughs> Um, okay, well, well, then we're done here. <laughs> no, I don't want you to leave, though. I want to talk to you. This is serious. Because for a long time, I've been thinking about this. And I, uh, you know, I'm very lucky. You know, I have a golf show, so I get sponsored by a golf company. So I don't really need anything there. And, you know, I don't buy a lot of clothes. And, and you two know I don't, you know, I'm not really handy with anything. So I'm not buying any new tools. So the things... You know, that I'm sort of very lucky. I got all that stuff. So I have wanted this thing that I have now for a very long time. And a two and a half weeks ago, I, I turned to Massage Chair Old. <laughs> um, not that you need to be old, but I've been thinking about a massage chair for a long time. And I finally got one. And, the com- and yes, you've mentioned this company name, Relaxacare. 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 And I just want everyone to know, because I know everyone thinks that I'm a salesman. But I went into this, I researched this company. I found out that they are one of the biggest companies in this country that do this. They, they, they sell massage chairs and lots of other stuff. You're going to hear all kinds of things. I just want everyone to know, I went in there fully intending to buy the chair. In fact, I did. I had such a great experience. I didn't tell them I was from the Humberland Fred Show. But when we were doing the, when I was literally paying, and I went in to buy, bought this chair, beautiful chair, I'll tell you about it. Dan sat in it. It's really something else. Yeah, it is. It really is something, man. Um, but in the exchanging of emails, they found out that I do a show, a podcast. They're not even longtime Humble and Fred people. They just thought, hey, you guys are doing something. We'd like to get some advertising. And I said, well, we're perfect. This is a great place to do this. Because I think the age of our audience, you know, guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, men and women, looking for different ways to relax. And, and you know what? I, I thought these chairs were way out of my price range. But I went to relaxacare.ca and I found one that was affordable. These guys are great with education. They, they help me understand how they work. 
Everything is there. It's, the, it's uh, It was an amazing experience from beginning to end. And you can visit them right now online at relaxacare.ca. And they get you free shipping. You can visit them in person at their showroom. Now, again, I didn't know much about these chairs, but the, I think it was the first or second night I had it, right? Was You, you came over, and while right, yeah. you had just driven a couple hours from Peterborough. By the way, I just remember this, because you're coming here today, right, Freddie? Oh, yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> I'm gonna, you can take a little spin in it while you're here. Oh, I'm going to tell yes. you. Yes, my shoulder. Yeah. You, from your feet to your the top of your head, Dan. I sat you down in that chair while I made dinner, and I put a little music on. I have this. My chair has Bluetooth, has <laughs> Bluetooth, and wait, voice control. And the chair's wow. name. Here's the cool thing: the chair, for some reason, is named Alice. So you say, "Hello, Alice," and Alice says, "I'm listening." And I'm like, "I love you, Alice." Wow. Seriously, the first thing she says. That's how you know it's a robot, not a real one, because she's <laughs> she says, "I'm listening." Anyway, it was a great experience. You're going to hear about this company for the next couple of months. Honestly, I started off this started off so innocently. I wanted to buy it, but I can tell you, in the couple of weeks I've had it, you know, watching the hockey game, watching golf in the chair, it's got heat, and, and it's got all kinds of different settings. But just your experience that night, Dan. It's just in 20 minutes, you feel so good. Maybe you could tell us just quickly what it felt like to you in your giant frame. Well, I've had a massage or two in my time, and it was like very close to an actual masseuse in some in some ways. And it wasn't even set up for me; it was yeah. set up for you. So you know, it, and it was like, it's a, well, gee, that feels like somebody's actually there doing mm-hmm. that. And if and it being able to massage your feet. And legs? That was like a su- big surprise. It's come a long way since a vibrating pad on a leaf. <laughs> That's right. Say that. I'll tell you right now, the, the technology is ridiculous. And you're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks and months. Relaxacare offers all top name brands and is the biggest in Canada for wellness products. They have saunas as well and massage chairs. And I was talking about it when best buddy Dave was over. He took a spin. You know, some guys, you know, they get to a point, they want to put a hot tub or put a sauna inside the house. This was my sauna slash hot tub. And it's ironic. They also have uh, saunas. I didn't even realize you can, like, you can buy these sauna kits, but they have them all. Go check it out at relaxacare.ca. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for you to see it there, Mr. P. Yes, I'll be in it this afternoon. Will I get out? That's the thing. Well, I'll just say this: if, if this chair could golf, I, w- I would be. This would be wife number three. Uh, me and Alice. I just love the fact. I love the fact that they've programmed Alice to say, "I'm listening." I can love you, Alice. I'm glad Alice is there because in a few years you'll be going. I can't get up. I can't get up. <laughs> What's funny you say that? They've got lift chairs as well at Relax and Care. Those are oh, the chairs that's coming. They do. They just sort of pop you out in case you can't get up anymore. Right, go check it out at relaxacare.ca. It's the Humble and Fresh Show. Dan will be back with the news. Our uh, also mutual good buddy Lumby will be here in a while. Uh, and I, of course, our program is brought to you by some of our regular folks, Frederick. Yes, like the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, a portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Timmy uh, will be by tomorrow with another dose of uh, uh, wisdom. 
you know, he covers all aspects of investment because there are a lot of aspects to investment. It's just not clicking on something, buying a chunk of something and hoping for the best. It's got to be analyzed. It's got to be balanced. It's got to, well, it's got to have logic behind it. And that's where he comes in. I mean, every week he brings wisdom to this show where it's like, yeah, I never thought of that. I guess I should have. That's your boy. That's uh, Tim Niblett, the retirement Sherpa.ca. I had lunch with the Sherpa last week. What a sweet guy. Just oh, a, it, pardon? Very sweet. Yeah, just a sweet person. You know, it's like, I don't know how some people get to be like that. I know. What, where does nice come from? I, I've, never been able to, <laughs> you know, I've never been able to tap into that. Yeah, well, that's what I was kind of getting at. I mean, I, hmm. you know, I have a lot of faults. I think I have some uh, good points, too, but I don't. What are they? I'm trying to I don't know. I just don't think nice is on that list. Fuck you. Um, I am. I'm trying to be nice. That's the weird thing. You know, I try and do good things. I try and be a good person. You know, last night I was uh, rolling around uh, doing some stretching at about eight o'clock and I, I had just come from uh, dinner with ex-wife Randy and I was thinking about your wife for some reason because Randy had asked me for Delisa's information earlier in the day and all of a sudden I went, oh, right. <clears throat> And I called your wife and wished her happy birthday. It seems like a nice thing to do, but yet I don't get nice points. I don't get like, oh, he's so nice. Whereas the Sherpa, just by his very existence, just shows up as nice. Well, there's natural nice and there's forced nice. And I think people, you know. No, no, go ahead and say it. You think I'm, no, people no, no, think no, I'm, I'm the forcing it? People, don't, people don't walk around saying I'm nice. When I'm being nice, I think it's like it's, people think it's not genuine. That guy's a fucking prick. Why <laughs> don't, don't try and be nice now. You just yelled at somebody yeah. a second ago. <laughs> yeah, but you can be both, you know, I can be both emphatic and nice. I have, yeah. here's what I think. I think you and I, well, I'm going to speak for myself. I think I have nice instincts. I do and try and, I think I try and do the right thing. Most oh, of the time, I, there's no doubt. I try. I try to do the right thing. Too. I know you do. I wasn't going to speak for you, though. It's all in the presentation. <laughs> That's the problem. Is our presentation is weak. Uh, here's an interest. Uh, listen, I don't, I don't know what you want to talk about. I got about a dozen things here I wanted to run by you, but the, I think the main one you sent it to me last night. I think the story most people are going to be talking about, and especially a tie into where our office is, mm-hmm. is this crazy story about Marner. Mitchell Marner, number 16, Nick 16 on his jersey, number one in your hearts, got carjacked like 100 yards from here. Yeah, at that Cineplex at Islington and the Queensway. Scary stuff. He, yeah. I guess, he, I guess his Range Rover would be top of the line and brand new. He only makes $10 million a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not. Worried. Yeah, him and a buddy get out of it, and these guys run up to them with guns, which is becoming like a, an epidemic in in Toronto. And said to him, "Give me the keys. We want the car." And <laughs> apparently, Marner said, "Here, take it." Yeah, here, here you go. It's smart. Which was oh, absolutely, was the smart thing to do. At the same time, very unsettling because apparently, you know, apparently the gun wasn't pointed at them, but a gun was shown. Uh, scary stuff. And they jumped in the uh, in the Range Rover, and they say within minutes that thing's in a container and mm-hmm. ready to be shipped somewhere. You know, it's interesting in the story that you'd sent. I didn't see it last night because I went sleepy. But uh, right away, they get a comment from Tori, and Tori's talking about how this is unacceptable, and 
it's been happening more and more um happened around you know i was quarter to eight at night i'm sitting here you know again it's just it's not literally 100 yards but it's like a one minute walk from where i live you know and i told you one of my other dear friends his wife had a range rover and right. it was stolen from out in front of their home yeah uh where they that was the story i told you where they come in and they sort of have a, a device that mimics your frequency yes. of your fob mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's that car in particular yeah. they have range rovers are premium premium of range rovers and mercedes but but that one in particular the land rover range rover and it's funny i read the reviews on them they're not very good it's weird I don't know if it's a status thing, but and it all depends, I guess, what you're looking for. But that's here and there. It's the fact that carjackings, there's been a lot of them in Toronto. In fact, I, yesterday online, uh, one of the news services, might have been CP24, City Pulse, I'm not sure. They've compiled a video of some of the recent ones, and it's like scary. Like they, What they do is they fake accidents sometimes, mm-hmm. and then people stop in their nice vehicles, and then they just run over. And literally pull them out of the cars and jump in and drive away. And this is happening in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, it's just so brazen. Like, you know, traditionally we've heard, again, people, you know, having their cars stolen out of their driveway in the middle of the night. But these guys are taking them out of traffic. And, you know, this is only new to us. It's not new. It's just new here. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, this I, this style of carjacking has been going on in big American cities for a long time. It's new to us. Uh, this Range Rover. By the way, is is there a difference between a Land Rover and a Range Rover? Is it the same thing? Well, Range Rover is made by Land Rover. Okay. So, all right. Uh, that this particular epidemic of stealing that vehicle uh, apparently is whether it's a carjacking or a, you know they take it from your home. That's a very popular one to be stolen. But the, 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 as you said, that's a great word. That brazen. You got to have a lot of you got to have a lot of something to go into some because you never know because you might get some pushback. But these guys had guns and a knife. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's it's. I, like I can't imagine going through that, and you or both of we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I wrote that down. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's yeah, off right. the table for us. Yeah, because I got I drive a, a twelve thousand dollar piece of shit Acura. I can't. Oh, go ahead, take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one wants my car. There's nobody in Nigeria looking for a Sorento. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but my question to you, and when you, I read it quickly this morning, was: uh, Is there something in the in his vehicle, do you wonder that would have identified him as a Toronto Maple Leaf? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, good question. Like a, a Scotiabank pass of some kind. Maybe. I just good wonder point. if there was a moment when these guys realized they just jacked Mitch Marner's vehicle. And yeah. secondly, being Leaf fans, statistically likely. Uh-huh. Was there any part of them were like, oh, shit, yeah. we've jacked Marner's truck. Or was there part of them going, yeah, they didn't win Saturday. Fuck, <laughs> That's yeah, right. Taking That's, his car. There's that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And, and, you know, luck of the draw, like, you know, these guys are out after vehicles like that. It just so happens that you're in yeah. an area with that type of vehicle where those guys are ready to pounce right it's just think about that what are the chances 
maybe it's an indication of how widespread this has become. And well, who are these scumbags? Like, you know, Mitch Marner. He earns his paycheck. He earns that vehicle to have for himself. And the guy that sold it to him, you know, earned the dollars selling it to him. You know, down the line, people earn nice things. And these these bastards just come and take it. Well, yeah, that's what that's you what criminals do. To that. Well, I know you can't, but you also can't relate to you know, you know, a world where uh, you know that's that becomes an option for you. And again, I don't want to get into the socio whatever well, of it. I, but I want to spend the next hour on the socio economic. No, but you know what I mean. Like, there's always that excuse. Well, people grow up poor. You don't know, but but there is a point in somebody's life where they make a choice that that's what they're they choose to do. I was going to say at seven forty-five last night. It was I was watching this series uh, mm-hmm. on Netflix called Lincoln Lawyer. It's pretty good, mm-hmm. but it's bright outside. It's not dark. It no. wasn't like under cover of a night they carjacked no. Mitchell. It was like this uh, daytime. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, this is a network. This is obviously a uh, you know, it's they know what they're doing. Yes. So. When they take that car, they know exactly where they're going, and they know it's not a long distance, and by the time whoever has been hijacked or carjacked, by the time they have their wits about them and phone the cops, that vehicle's out of sight, and, and you know, nobody's going to chase it, because they don't even know what's going on at that particular moment, and... Yeah, it's all so, so highly organized, that stuff. So here's a question. Is Marner at 745? Because I couldn't really, I don't know the movie times, but was Marner going to a movie or was he coming out of a movie? Because by the way, because all those restaurants are gone. That's what I was going to say to you before Mm -hmm. the show, because we were having a conversation about you coming in to pick up some equipment. And I almost started telling you, like, you won't believe what that where that milestones kelsey's montana's and the scotia bank there were four buildings right. in that parking they've been just razzed or raised they've been destroyed uh it looks completely different than even the last time you were here but i was thinking like if he was going to a movie does he still go to the movie after he's been carjacked he's like well my car's gone i guess we can just no. uber home I wouldn't think so because i guess he'd have to file police reports yeah, yeah and be sort of rattled and- i know Unless it was a really good movie. Uh, well, I, I was going to say it's funny because since the sort of unofficial end of the pandemic and people going back into things like movies, mm-hmm. um, I I haven't seen it, but I'm sure you're aware of like the latest, you know, Marvel, Doctor Strange, uh, Super Universe, or Metaverse. Its its box office is back to sort of pre-pandemic, like 450 mm-hmm. million worldwide in the first couple of weeks. And I, I saw that this morning. I went, oh well. Maybe that's an indication, too, that people have eased their personal restrictions on going to things like movies. Marner in particular, though, um, they're eliminated Saturday. Honestly, and I'm not kidding when I say this, I'm surprised that at, on Monday, two days later, he put, him in a, put himself in a position where... You know, because he's easily identified. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's no, like, in a position where people could hassle him over a loss yeah, like that. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, Mitch, what happened Saturday night? It was just too fresh. Yeah. So so I actually, that that's a tribute to him that he, you know what? It is what it is. And uh, I guess I'll face it. I want to go to the movies. But I, I again, from that aspect, I'm surprised. You'd think he'd wait a couple of weeks before going out in public. And what a shitty... Toronto Maple Leaf attachment that is, eh? Yeah. 
a city just so ready to celebrate, desperate for a winner, where it could just be, for the sake of a goal or a play here or there, it could be completely different. Yeah, Marner, yeah. Lumby's going to love this. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, for the sake of a bounce here or there, he's not at the... the, And and again, it's all coincidence, but, you know, the circumstance put him... There we go. Jesus. (laughs) The circumstance put him in that spot. Had they won... Yeah. He wouldn't be getting carjacked. Look at the tan on this boy. Look how good you look. Yeah, it's pretty nice weather here. It's like 27 in the sun today. A nice little gentle breeze coming up the valley. Well, isn't that beautiful? Would you do me a quick yeah. favor? Just give me about 5% more microphone. And for those who can't more. see just, him. Just, yeah. <clears throat> for those who can't see Jeff Lumby, he's wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf sweater this morning, which is cool. because. Huh? L- let me hear you, Jeff. How's that? What's wrong with my mic? All Nothing. Is, I just needed you to be a little bit louder. It's perfect now. Don't get excited. Yeah, okay. No, it's Good. perfect. Go ahead. Anyway, he, he's wearing a leaf sweater, which I'm I'm surprised because, you know, I've never allowed Montreal Canadian um, paraphernalia well, in my funny. house, and I would never put a Montreal Canadian sweater on my back, and it's well, a, I'm, I'm surprised you do that. Interesting story. This is probably the last time you'll ever see me in a Maple Leafs uh, jersey, but... Uh, the irony is, uh, Montreal Canadian great Dougie Gilmore gave me this. So, oh well, so, well there you go. And and this is when I was at Y ninety five. So you see oh. what they did here. You see what he did. He put ninety three point five. Oh, see that? because it's, uh, and there's my name. Well, on the listen. Back. Hey, that's nice. That is nice. Yeah. Well, what was it like sweater. when he actually gave it to you? And it was a leaf sweater, so it was like a bittersweet thing, right? Obviously. Well, here's the thing: it was at a it was at a wedding where he I was the MC of the wedding, and he was in the wedding party, mm. and uh, and the guy who was getting married was a leaf fan, so they insisted that I wear this while I did my entire uh, <laughs> thing at That's the wedding. Great. Knowing the Hab fan that I am. You know, it's funny, but, though, uh, but going up where we did, and I've been asked this because I don't know if you know, the last couple of weeks, Jeff, I, you know, I've jumped back into, you know, watching every Leaf game. And I've been talking to the oh, guys okay. in my golf group and they're like, my well, condolences. Anyway, but I, I said, well, gr- they said, well, you're not a Leaf fan. I said, well, I'm, I guess so. I've lived here half my life. But I said, growing up where we did, I sort of was, I couldn't stand the Leafs. I couldn't stand the Habs, and I was a Boston fan. But I was going to say to you, you grew up in Saskatoon, so it's kind of like in the middle of the country, you sort of have a choice. I mean, you could go Leafs or Habs. What made you go Habs? Was it because of uh, your dad? Yeah, well, okay. So first of all, most... I I just I couldn't stand the fact that we were like spoon fed the Leafs. Yes. Okay, and the Habs were always on the French Channel, and it drove me crazy that Western. And this is obviously before the Oilers and the Flames and Canucks, and and we we, we were jammed this Leaf crap all our lives. My dad was a big Hab fan. I was actually early on a Red Wing fan because of Gordy Howe, and he, mm-hmm. and you know Gordy Howe was from Being Saskatoon, from Saskatoon so. exactly. So, you know, um, uh, but, but I, I, I gravitated towards the Habs and, and uh, Detroit's always been sort of a close second for me. But, See, but for yeah, me, the, the re- that's the main reason I've grown to hate the Leafs. Well, well ha- so if it, if it wasn't available, how did your dad become a Hab fan if it really wasn't available out west? 
dad was a Hab fan since uh, since the '40s. Uh, wow. I've got a I got a picture. Well, you were at my dad's memorial, and you, uh, Howard, and, and you saw the, the the photo of my dad when he was like 12 years old wearing a Habs jersey. Yeah. Wow, which was yeah. pretty cool. But, but, but yeah. Freddie, you so, know, my dad Lou, who you know, it's it's funny. That's kind of it's it's, it's a very Saskatchewan thing that we were tired of being sort of spoon fed. Montreal, Toronto, Toronto, Montreal. It was always that. And there was an old joke about, you know, the Leafs lost seven, nothing, but the first three stars were Leafs and then honorable mention to, you know, it was a, it was like, and I don't know. Yeah. I think the reason I gravitated toward Boston is I played defense in hockey and Bobby Orr, you know, was the big popular player. So I caught on to them because I'll tell you, even though I was a Boston fan years later, when we did that trip, Freddie, you and I were doing this golf trip for club link. I remember sitting there talking to Yvonne Cornwallier thinking, you know, all those years of sort of hating the Habs and here's this legend in front of us. Right. You know, I could never have imagined we'd ever have that opportunity. Um, yeah. You could you respect the individual. A- but absolutely. Not like, you know, I mean, my story's sort of the same with the Habs. It's like as a kid growing up, I was just tired, honestly tired of them winning. You know, yeah. it was like yeah. enough, 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 enough. And I love the Leafs. And the thing is, I, I could have not hated the Habs, but I just go so sick of them winning that I that that's where my hatred came from. Sad, eh? But true. But that's the great thing about sports, yeah, you know. Yeah. And that really is because your 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 allegiance. No, I was going to say your allegiance is born when you're a kid. Although I would say all the times Jeff and I have moved cities. Like every time I would go to like, okay, so in Vancouver, you're on the radio. Obviously, you're talking about the Canucks, etc. So I guess I've been here long enough to be an official Leaf supporter because every radio station I've worked at, with including Fred for 32 years, we talk about the Leafs. I will tell you this. The last two weeks for me, I thought that the – I don't know if you watched any of it, Jeff, but I found it – I watched I it, highlights. Yeah, I found it very entertaining. So call me a bandwagon jumper. I don't give a shit. I don't watch any of the regular season, and I won't watch another game until they go into the first round next year, but – God, it was really entertaining, but I could feel for my buddy Freddie here because it's like it doesn't matter how good they are, they're you know Mitch Marner's watching a movie on Monday night. Look, they're I'm going to tell you this right now: they are not capable of winning, and they're not going to be capable of winning. You know, here we're talking about. 18 years of futility trying to get into the first round. There are three other rounds in each of those years that you have to win. And it's, it's just, and, and it's, it's getting to the point where I don't know, is, is it, is it, is there some kind of uh, lack of autonomy with management? Are, are there 53 people making decisions? Is it because it's a boardroom situation? I don't know what it is, but yeah, but, but yeah, but to be fair, it's like there. And again, I don't buy any of this stuff, but if you just want to look again at the analytics, you know, their power play was the best during the regular season, right? Regular season doesn't matter. If if they'd have been half as good on their power play in the playoffs as the regular season, that might have turned into four or five goals. They win the series. And again, you can play that game all day long. At the end of the day, they did not win. So it's right. What is that thing? What's the thing? And, what is you know, that thing? So I, 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 under, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, and, and it's just it's very frustrating if you're a Leaf fan. Mm-hmm. Today, on like I didn't weigh in after the game. Who needs me piling on? But then all of a sudden, I see people blaming the refs. And it's like, if, if you are relying on a ref to mm-hmm. miss a call, I and I'm agree. talking about that, that, that pick play, which was 
interference. It led to a goal. It's a penalty. If, if you need that to happen to get out of the first round, yeah, you got right. way bigger problems. But, but again, the structure of the playoffs and the way, I mean, that was a pretty, uh, listen, Tampa could win the, the Stanley Cup and there was a one goal difference between them and the Leafs. Maybe if the Leafs get over that hump, they would go on a better run. Who knows? Again, more speculation and more Leaf dreaming. But you know, you look at the other games. We were talking about this yesterday. You know, Connor McDavid more or less puts the team on his back in that game seven. Uh, Johnny Goodrow, like, um, um, does it in Calgary. Well, it, The okay, Leafs never get that. No, they never get that. Let me, let me throw this at you. So Don Cherry was interviewed. I still like Grapes. I think he has, he's, uh, you know, I know he's in his 80s and stuff. But, but you know what? He, he always makes a, an interesting point or two. He is uh, ragging on the fact that Toronto doesn't have enough Canadians. Well, actually, the Leafs have like 13 Canadians out of their 28 roster. Calgary and a bunch only of Toronto ha- guys. Yeah. Calgary only has, uh, uh, I think it's eight. But Edmonton has 20 out of the 26 guys. I am all Oilers for the rest of the uh, playoffs just because of that, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. It's a lot of Canadians. I want to get and, back. To, uh, I was going to say I want to get back to something you said just a second ago about if you're relying on a referee call because that's of course you know it's easy to hang it on that. And yeah, I, again, I've been here long enough to know what Leaf Luck looks like. The five on three, the called back goal, and and those are all. I love that. They're all expl- explanations. They're not excuses. They're just you can explain that. What I'd ask you guys, and I saw this stat yesterday, is all the original six teams. Since expansion, or I'm sorry, in the last 50 years, all those original six teams have not only gotten past the first round, but they've been to the finals multiple times. In fact, the least is, I think... Uh, is uh, New York Rangers have been in once, but Chicago three times, Detroit three times, etc., etc. That's really the question that the organization needs to ask themselves. What do we need to do, not only to get past the first round, but to do what all these other teams have done in the last 50 years? I mean, Leaf, Leaf management should do a TED talk on failure because it is... <laughs> it is it, it is unbelievable. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And, and I, I've got to wonder if it stems from the I'm, I'm talking the very top above Dubas, above all that stuff. I'm wondering if there's meddling going on. And you would know this more than than me. I'm sure you get this in every in every franchise. But this is this is master class in yeah. failure. It doesn't matter who owns them, who manages them, who coaches them, who plays for them. It's the same story. Well, how do you explain that then? Well, I think it's be- I think it's fear. Like I said, what did I say to you? Their chance was game six. Yes. That was their chance. Yeah. Soon, as soon as there was a game seven, I said to Howard, they're going to be playing themselves. They're yeah. not even going to be playing Tampa Bay. Because all those demons are going to be dancing around their heads in Game 7. Oh, no, we can't let this happen again. Yeah. And that's usually the first step of screwing up. And you can't blame Campbell in Game 7. He was lights out. No, he played right. And here's the thing I, I said. You know, as soon as they started the third period. Now, Freddie said, you know, after t- at the 10-minute mark, I felt when they came out in the third period, I said to myself, you got to score right away or this is over. There's no way that they're going to score. And, and very early on, you could just see what Fred said. They were playing to not lose. And I, you know, listen, I, you know, I do a golf show about the world of sports psychology. It seems to me that's what they need. They mm-hmm. need... A mental performance coach, and I'm sure they have them, but that's where their problems lie because talent-wise, third line and fourth line aside, they're talented enough. 
And here's another aspect to it as well. They pl- the way they played against Tampa, they played that way against Montreal last year. They probably win the series, Columbus the year before, Boston the year before. But again, that doesn't matter. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't play that way yeah. against those teams. And they saved their best for the defending, two-time defending champion, which could very well go on and win the Stanley Cup. It's just nothing ever works out. And I get back to this thing, and I know they were loser teams, but there were a lot of playoff years where the Leafs actually won a couple of rounds when you didn't expect them to. Well, let me say this. Let me let me interrupt you and say that back in the Gilmore yes. and Clark days in 93 and 92, th- that was a team with heart. Yeah. And I don't think you can associate that word to this team. No, no. I totally agree. And that's the I was going there with that point, Jeff. Those years when they won a couple of rounds, you didn't expect them. What was it? Dougie refused to lose. Wendell refused to lose. Daryl Sittler refused to lose. And they, they made these teams better and won games and rounds that they probably had no business winning. This team does not have that either. No. And I'll no. tell you. And, and, and uh, sorry, one more thing, Howard. I notice, and I, again, I, I don't think you can point to countries and stuff, but there are a lot of Americans on this team. Right. Uh, on, the, on the Maple Leafs. And I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it just. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they do have 13 Canadians on the roster, but man, they got like eight Americans on the team. But, and I just, I but to know. Fred's point, what they don't have, and and I, you know, that I only saw that I saw it on a highlight. This Connor McDavid goal that was just ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. But what they what they needed in Game Seven is they needed. Austin Matthews to be the guy that he was, you know, in February, mm-hmm. March, you know, and he, yeah. he just needed to, as you said, Fred, mm-hmm. he needed to put the team on his back and say, okay, just everyone come with me. I'm not going to lose this game. And then the opposite happened is Marner was absent for most of it, but he had a terrible third period. Never got a, yeah. they, in between him and, and I'm sorry, Marner, between Matthews and Marner, they barely had a shot on net. Well, listen, it's game seven at home. Yeah. You need one goal in the third period and you can't do it. Like, I'm out. It's yeah. like, seriously, there's and, no and excuses. And, and you know, you, you do mention about coaching. I got to say, John Cooper wins this one. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's a really, he really knows what to do with mm-hmm. those guys. And look who he gets two goals from. Ooh, yeah, I know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. He gets two goals from a guy. He's, he's a third-line guy. The third and fourth line of the Leafs combined for one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you know what's going to be the, the, the big four legacy here? My buddy said it to me the other day, and he said, and, and it's true. I fully expect it, especially the, the way they've walked Matthews to free agency at the end of his contract. Him and Marner will win, win Stanley Cups, but it won't be in Toronto. All right. Awesome. Let's, uh, we haven't even introduced our Gig Sky guest of the day. Yeah, baby. Now I can't. Every time I see a drumming video, I'm like, should I send this to Lumby? Yeah. I've been, see, I've been uh, Jeff's been uh, working on some drumming. You can see his kit in the back there, and so yeah. he's been. Cool. He is very cool. He's, and I've, been working, I've been working on "Fool in the Rain" uh, for years, and uh, with my new drumming coach, Humble Howard's help, <laughs> <laughs> what was, what I was That's able to funny. nail the groove. Uh, recently, so uh, well, yeah, I'm fascinated by it because Jeff, like, uh, and I really relate to this. Like Jeff's, when when Jeff wants to learn how to do something, unlike a lot of people who <clears throat> go, "Wow, this is hard. I guess I'll give up." He just doesn't give up. So we were talking about this particular song. 
fool in the rain and I don't really understand drumming but I'd been sending Jeff some drumming videos of guys I've seen online and Jeff kind of explained why this song is so difficult and then and so said hard. and said this to me we were talking and he goes yeah I'm probably not going to get this for a long time and then like a couple days later he sends me a, a, an audio track of him drumming to this and it's like shit like he got it and I wasn't surprised because you, you I'd be the same way I wouldn't leave that studio under any circumstances mm-hmm. until I figured it out but maybe you know like it, not only is it something that you're, you're it's a great hobby to have yeah, you know, no, it's and and it's again, it's something that an old person can improve upon. You know, <laughs> that's right. Well, no, but look at look at you and your golf. Like it's amazing to me that in all of those early years where you were young, a young stud playing golf, and you're the you're a better golfer now. In, I'm way in, better now in, in so many different ways. Oh, I mean, yeah. uh, those are two things that you can improve on as you get older, as opposed to just sitting around waiting to die. <laughs> that's right. Uh, how much so you spend uh, and we're going to talk about the podcast in a second but how often like are you in it every day working on stuff uh, I'm, I try to do at least a little bit every day but again it, it just depends on when I'm free uh, from things that I'm, I'm doing around here but like you know if Julie's uh, doing some oh, I'm doing my nails okay I'm going to fire it into the studio and 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 it's funny I've been on a real steely Dan jag lately because the drumming in in that is, is just phenomenal but this uh, this little shuffle in in uh, in fool in the rain, rain yeah, it's has been else. haunting me, and I'm and and now I've kind of got it, and I'm trying to flesh out the rest of the song. What does Julie do when you're doing your nails? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. No. Oh, okay. uh, comedy. Uh. Um, Jeff and Julie moved to France in a global pandemic, uh, lovingly produced by the Humble and Fred Show, as well as Toronto Mike latest episode now i haven't heard it for a while but i'm told the latest episode is about what jeffrey i have it in front uh, of me well, somewhere. actually on, on fr- what's that fred sorry no i didn't say anything jeff's oh. most recent episode is about weird french customs yeah we've got that uh, the one previous to that uh chapter 17 um we have singing dogs and we were able to record the singing dogs they just start singing when they hear certain music. Mm-hmm. And so wow. we were able to record that. Uh, and then coming up on Friday, uh, we were just recently last week in Paris. We took the train to Paris for three days. So uh, we've got actually two parts uh, coming up on our trip to Paris, which was just remarkable. And just a city that I'm not a city person. As you guys know, it's the greatest city on the earth. It's just unbelievable. Wow. Better than Toronto? <laughs> Come on, Jeff. What are you even? You're right. Those those forty story glass buildings. What are, are you saying? Real, Why real don't heaven. you? Uh, just to give some perspective, no, Paris is a great place. I from it. Jeff's, give us some perspective. Jeff lives in the south of France, and what was the like? What did you need to do? Drive to a train station? You took the train. Yeah, yeah. We just drove uh, like half an hour to Agen, which is southwest France, and then it was just over three hours by train, which would have been. From Agen, equivalent of about nine hours driving. Wow. So uh, they they go 300 kilometers an hour, these fast trains. It's amazing. And what, what, and uh, I know you want us to listen to the podcast, but why is Paris such a great city to you? You know what? Everyone would pick it as their absolute favorite. Like I really liked it. It might not be mine, but why? Why do you? It's, it's so funny. I was talking to my mom about this, and she recently visited, and they stayed in Paris. And I said, there's an energy in Paris, and it's like – and I paused for a second, and she nailed it. She said, 
everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And it's really something that once she said that, it's like, you're right. Everywhere you go, people are happy. And there's this buzz. There's an energy. And I don't know if it's post-COVID. Uh, I, I'm sure that has something to do with it. There are new stores and restaurants opening up. But it's and, and the architecture is second to none. I mean, it's just gorgeous. You know what I find about those European cities? Uh, it's a cultural thing and it's an attitude like friends, family, food come before the rat race. Right. Here we've got it backwards. Well, you know what? And most of the people that live in Paris, they don't own their homes. They don't own their flats. They rent and they enjoy life. But Jeff, you know, just let's jump in quickly because that was not always the reputation of the French, that they're happy, that they, they you know, because traditionally it was been like, oh, yeah. they weren't all that uh, no, welcoming to foreigners. Yeah, was, they weren't all that welcoming to foreigners at one time. But, you know, uh, Fred, to your point about uh, about that, this is really interesting. Uh, when you meet somebody like we, we've had friends that we've met in this area here and they've invited us over for dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, what we do for a living or what we did for a living Never came up, never mm-hmm. comes up. And it's just exactly to your point about how in Canada, it's like, hi, I'm Jeff. What's your name? Hey, what do you do for a living? It's the mm-hmm. first thing out of Canadians mouths. And so we we in Canada tend to define people by what they do as opposed to who they are and, and what the, they own and what here. they own. And, and, and it is the complete opposite here. There's yeah. no talk about money. There's no talk about what you do. It's really civilized. I, you know, it's, it's one all, of the reasons that, that uh, it, I, I'm drawn to this place. You know, I noticed that when we visited our friend Tim Daniels, in, uh, who's uh, so our sponsor, but, you know, a guy I knew from Moose Jaw, living in Florence. Like, it's a different vibe. There's a different, you know, we had a lunch, we had dinner, we hung out for a couple of days, mm-hmm. really just talking about the world as opposed to talking about, you know, our jobs or what defines us. And I've even noticed that as our peer group starts to retire, that who you are and what you did becomes less and less important as you get older because oh, it's no longer yeah. germane to your life. Well, but it, but it, even if you uh, are working and it is a big part of your life, it isn't here in terms of how you interact with other people. It no just problem. doesn't. But plus, uh, France is pretty liberal with uh, time off, like maternity leaves, right? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. how much uh, vacation you get. Summertime and, time off, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really good for the psyche. You know, a, a well-rested employee is a more productive employee. Again, over here, we got it all wrong. Everybody needs the big house and the big car. And uh, yeah, they're, it's they're, weird. They're an interest rate uh, away from foreclosing, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so before we let you go, that's about Paris. That's still to come. The uh, latest episode is about a couple is about French customs. Can you give us a couple of customs that we might want to that are just okay. different? This is the weirdest thing, and I'm not sure how in vogue this is now, but there is a custom that happens every November. Oh, man. It's it's called Old Maid's Day. Mm. And they <laughs> they they find women who are unattached at a later stage in life and they give them a big green hat mm. with all kinds of crap on it. <laughs> I've got a I've got a picture of it on the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Jeff and Julie move to France, just to let all the fellas know that she's free. I mean <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah, you had me at the green hat. Mm. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, Jeff and Julie moved to France. You can uh, find the link, by the way, if you go to humbleandfred.com. As Jeff mentioned, also their Facebook page. Highly entertaining. And uh, lots of Humble and Fred people have been uh, checking out Jeff's podcast. And all reports say that it's a uh, it's fantastic. And uh, thanks again for today. 
And thanks for hosting it for us. It's uh, much appreciated, fellas. All right. Well, listen, no, keep going, on, buddy. This is burning, uh, Fred. This shirt is <laughs> burning right. me. I got to hey, get it off. You know what's burning me up? The fact that the Habs won the NHL draft lottery. That's burning me up. Oh, me too. Whatever that means. And three, and three series last year. Let's All not right. forget Thank that. you. Yeah. Oh, we've run out of time. Oh, All right, Lumby. I'll be Goodbye, uh, boy. talking to you soon. <laughs> yeah. There's Jeff Lumby. He is our Gig Sky guest of the day, Freddie. Of course, you know what that means. Yes. He's the Gig Sky guest of the day. Well, I'll tell you what that means. Well, let me tell you what that means. That means Gig Sky is offering a 100% data plan. That's 100% all your data, FaceTime, WhatsApp, Instagram. Gig Sky's got you. Go to gigsky.com and put in the promo code HF2022. That gets you $5 off your plan. Or visit gigsky.com for more information. And now, as I've mentioned recently, you can also check out the GigSky Travel Rewards, offering up to 50% cash back on over 850,000 hotels globally. Reduced rate. I'm sorry, did you want to stay here? I, I, I know you guys like to be on the, the cutting edge of the news. I just, uh, the Marner hijacking, yeah. big misunderstanding. It was just a bunch of guys looking for a ride to the second round of the playoffs. Uh, Goodbye, boys. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. He hung around just for that. All right, little drummer goal. boy. Uh, gigsky.com HF2022 gets you $5 off. Frederick, what else can we tell people? Well, I'm going to tell you about Bodog. You know, the second round of the NHL uh, playoffs start tonight. And oh, yes, look at that. The Tampa Bay Lightning in Miami or Sunrise, Florida play the uh, the Panthers. The Panthers favored. Cost you $165 to win $100. Uh, the, uh, the Panthers heavily favored in, in game one. The over-under, uh, six and a half goals. And no surprise here, the Colorado Avalanche, a heavy favorite over the St. Louis Blues in game one of their series. You must spend $220 to win 100 on the Colorado Avalanche, which is very, very uh, interesting. I'm surprised, uh, you know, because when you get to the playoffs and the teams, they tend to be a little closer in, uh, you know, talent and ability. And I'm surprised that uh, it's that lopsided. Anyway, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, yeah, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's your boat, Yeah, Lumby is a very good drummer. He uh, drummed with a bunch of uh, his buddies when he lived out uh, north of you in uh, Rockton. No, is it Rockton? Yeah. North of Acton there. Yeah. Played with everybody, the, Bruce Mallory was part of that, uh, often part of those jam sessions. Well, before Bruce uh, yeah. got involved, Jeff had been playing with these guys for a couple mm-hmm. of years called the uh, the Bourbon Bourbon Brethren. And, and uh, he's been playing. Here's how I'm, I know he's been playing with them long enough. Because <clears throat> I sat in a couple times myself when I was still drinking. And I remember being in their rehearsal space, this barn oh, yeah. Uh, getting hammered and you know wailing away with my three chords I can play on a guitar but I was gonna say Jeff's uh, very much like me in that you know he was interested in wine so he became a sommelier like he says like I don't think people realize like he, he took the like he could work in a restaurant and advise people I mean you have to get more experience but he's got that level of training and then with his drumming it's like 
doesn't surprise me. Like he, mm-hmm. he's, you know, wants to, he's an achiever, you know, he likes to keep mm-hmm. doing shit. Yeah. That whole wine thing. I, I, I think my advice to anyone would be, um, don't be fooled. Grab the $10 bottle. Mm-hmm. Well, my advice would be grab a $10 <laughs> bottle, let it sit there for an hour and it's a $20 bottle. Yeah. No, it's true. And there's an old saying that in you can improve the you can improve the quality of any buy, any wine you buy if you just let it sit there. Whereas most people don't. You know, they you know, you're supposed to let it breathe, but there's a reason is the oxygenation of it, but uh yeah, even when I drank wine, I could never tell the difference between you know, once it got to be so, like the most expensive bottle of wine I ever had was probably 100 or $150. And I remember telling the person, I said, this is great, but I, don't, I think it's lost on me. I don't yeah, really. Yeah. And I was really yeah. into it, and I still didn't appreciate it. Back in your days when you had the scrapbook with all the labels in it. <laughs> yes. Which still blows me away. Ooh. Well, my kids you, bought it for me. Did you ever take a $10 bottle of wine before you went to a party and put a uh, $80 sticker on the bottle? <laughs> no, Did I didn't. Did you ever do anything like that? No. Is that something oh, okay. you would do? I might think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and what Fred's referring to is, uh, and it was literally, I went from never drinking wine to a year later, I was steaming the labels off bottles and then putting them in my wine book. It's something I do now with marijuana. Um but yeah, that's one of the things I, I never quite understood. I got to, I think I could have appreciate, I could sort of appreciate a $20 bottle of wine, maybe even 30, but I drank a lot of red wine with Jeff and Dan and uh, we probably had a few expensive ones. You know, the odd time we'd get a $50 bottle. All I know is you want to drink your best wine first and then just go to whatever homemade shit you've got laying around. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I, yeah, I've never been much of a drink, a uh, wine drinker. I know. Dan Duran, he drinks wine. Mm. It's the wine he drinks doesn't cost anything. I was going to say, I don't. He drinks OPs. <laughs> he drinks that beautiful Peely Island OP. I wonder if he's listening. No, he's not listening. <laughs> no one's listening. Um, well, I mentioned. So we mentioned. <laughs> we mentioned Marner. Uh, there's. Uh, we mentioned my uh, stinky pit. Here's a sign of the times. Uh, and, uh, you know, the war continues. The war, the... I don't know why we're calling it a war. An invasion of an innocent country continues. And McDonald's has said, fuck you, Russia. McDonald's is selling out all their stores in Russia. 850 of them have gone to a local uh, buyer, I read. They're going to lose about... Uh, not that much for McDonald's. Maybe a couple billion dollars they'll be able to write off. But... Interesting that they've said they've shut down operations uh, in an entire country, which is pretty, pretty aggressive. And no matter which way you look at that, it's not like it's not window dressing. It's not it's not something they can easily or want to do to look good. They're doing it on principle. Yes, it's 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 it really is remarkable. And, you know, more company needs to do that. You know, the World Hockey uh, Championship started uh, this week without the Russians. They are not part of it. They were told to stay home, which is fantastic. Yeah. And um, could you explain who that that involves? Because I know it's it's like NHL guys that didn't make the playoffs. So who is yes. part of this? It's just the World Hockey Championship. The International Ice Hockey Federation every spring has the World Hockey Championships. And, yeah, because of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the best of the best can't be there. But right. 
players that didn't make the playoffs or maybe eliminated in the first round or whatever. Do guys have um, a choice? Like, I mean, not a choice. I mean, I obviously have a choice. Do do people sometimes refuse and say, I don't want to bother? Oh, absolutely. They say, you know, it's been a long, tough season or I've got a little bit of a nagging injury here. I right. can't do it. But, uh, yeah, the Russians were told a couple of months ago, not invited. The World uh, uh, Junior Championships are going to be made up here in August uh, for the ones that were postponed, you know, because of COVID in in December and January. Russians not invited. Just fantastic. Again, I'm so disappointed in the NHL because they're going to draft Russian players and... They haven't taken that stance. I mean, all all these sports leagues around the world that have. I mean, we need to line up and contribute. You know, yeah. I, I, I when I read the McDonald's story, I thought similar to you that mm-hmm. you know, that's a pretty aggressive, bold thing to do to give up eight hundred and fifty of your. You know, your stores is, is more than just, uh, as you say, it's more than just window dressing. And, and they're the, apparently the biggest one. I think in Moscow, as some square, it's privately owned. It still has been opened. Mm-hmm. It's still been open. But now McDonald's is just going to cut off all the uh, franchising supplies and stuff, even right. to those um, franchisees. There's only a few of them in Moscow, but they're not all owned by McDonald's. So it's just going to strangle them. They're going to have to change their names. Yeah. Everything. Uh, you know, I haven't... Not that this is apropos of anything other than just I... I'm sure we've had this discussion. I can't remember the last time I had a McDonald's anything. I know you've got grandkids, so it would be different for you, but it's been a long time, and I know it was certainly when I was still drinking, but I haven't had a Big Mac or a, their fries or their their quarter pounder. It's funny, though. You can almost still taste it. Like It's such a baked-in flavors, memory, or sensation. You know, if I say, if I say quarter pounder with cheese... Not only do you recognize it, does your brain recognize it as an item, but I think your senses recognize that taste. Yes. And just thinking about it starts my bowel moving. <laughs> starts your what? Starts my bowel moving. Yeah, I know. If I my, my original McDonald's order as a kid, I couldn't eat it now because I used to do, this was it for me. Oh, yeah. Quarter pounder with cheese, large fries, filet of fish shake. That was yeah. kind of a standard for me. I would swap in and out because sometimes I would have uh, the small burger, whatever they call that, um, as well as the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm-hmm. I'd have a backup you, burger. Oh, you wouldn't just put it on top and eat it all at once? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, even that, like, I, I don't know the last time I ate it either, but it's, again, still out of fact. If I eat a Big Mac before I finished eating it, I have to go to the bathroom. It's weird. But you want to talk about joy and grandkids with McDonald's? Every so often, I'll go over there, if Delise and I, and we'll go to McDonald's first for their dinner or their lunch or whatever, and she likes the Happy Meal. May does. Cheeseburger Happy Meal. But just watching John grow up as a little guy and his appetite yeah. increasing, he used to like the filet fish meal. He's grown out of the Happy Meals. He doesn't care anymore. But now it's got to be a double filet fish Wow. So when we lay it in front of him, so it's large fries, double filet fish and, and a smoothie, which is pretty yeah. thick and filling. Yeah. Just watching him plow through that. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> Dan, do you remember your... I, I, can't, I'm kinda, I can't imagine Dan, the great Dan Duran, would even uh, go to McDonald's, but there was a time. There was a time. Do you remember your McDonald's order? Uh, I do. Uh, and, you know, McDonald's came late to Edmonton, where I grew up. It's where you, it was a big thing when it arrived. And, Same in Moose Jaw. I didn't have a McDonald's in Moose Jaw until I was 16 years old. 
Yeah, somewhere in there. Anyway, the, my wine was like yours, a quarter pounder with cheese. Uh, the fries on and off, but I would, that was my big thing, quarter pounder with cheese. I never liked the Big Mac. Same and with me. The, I, I liked the quarter pounder better than the Big Mac. I never was a Big Mac guy. You know, and the, the filet of fish. Yeah. The fries are pretty good. Fries Even are good. St- still, when we get it for the kids, I'll reach over and grab a couple of fries. Do you ever yeah. do this, though? Like, um, I did this more at Wendy's because I like the Frosties, but I would, dip a, I would take a fry, dip it in the Frosty, and then eat it. No. Nope. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> you know, I know, I know. I'm a minority. Is that a Jewish uh, thing? Yeah, it's a Jewish thing. We all do. Mm-hmm. We dip our fries once for Aliyahu. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me that Dan can remember his McDonald's order, but he can't remember the year his dad died. I find that fascinating. <laughs> or his own birthday, for Christ's sake. Or his own birthday, or how old yeah. he is, or mm-hmm. anything else to do with time. Great selective memory. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you do. Um, all right. Let's talk about Dan Duran's... Uh, Let's talk about Dan Duran's news today. Today brought to you by Hush Blankets. Hush has the 100-night guarantee in all their products. Imagine this. Imagine a company that's so um, proud and positive and, and stands behind their product. They will. You, you can use any Hush product. After 100 nights, if you don't want it, return it. No hassle whatsoever. In fact, if you go right now to HushBlankets.com, put in the promo code H-U-M-B-L-E for 10% off. That is the highest discount they offer. H-U-M-B-L-E at HushBlankets.com. I wonder if they've ever thought of going this way. Hush the magic blanket. You know, something like that as a, uh, you know, a theme song. You should be a creative team Mm -hmm. member in Mm -hmm. that agency. You, go. you know, there's many lines. That yeah, yeah, up. sure. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what he should be doing. Because you know, when he when he because when he sat around the table going, "Hey, maybe we should go hush the magic blanket," all the millennials would be like, "What the fuck is Grandpa doing here? And, and what is that all about? Why is hush the magic what? Yeah, you mean like puff the magic dragon from 45 years ago? No, we yeah, don't know that, that one. That one. <laughs> all the millennials would be like, "What's he talking about?" That's what I love about smart speakers, right? I make all these references to my kids; they have no idea what yeah, I'm talking exactly. about. I was like. Hey, Google, play this. And like instantly, you can prove that you're not making it up. You just activated a bunch of people's Google. No, I know. Right. Well, the funny thing is, I know that song. And here it is now. Thanks to our friend, Mr. Spotify. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. On Memories 97.3. Puff the magic Man in a what? In a land called Annalie. So there you are sitting around like shy at day or right. Leo Burnett, and you're like, I got a great idea. <laughs> I got a good idea, everybody. I got a <laughs> like, why is that old man sitting in this creative meeting? <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know. I'll have to ask him. I'll certainly be sending this audio to them. <laughs> and maybe somebody at Hush Blank should be like, this is yeah. genius. We never even thought of it. Yeah, right. somebody there's going to sit up straight and go, whoa. Whoa. Because <laughs> you, you go through beyond that first line, there's all sorts of oh, things yeah. you can say about cozy and comfort and security and everything with the blanket, right? It would be like it's a natural. <laughs> Well, you are a creative genius, so everyone knows that. Uh, what about, but there's there's lots of other songs. Like, I don't know if we even, there's this song. I, I don't know. I, I know of it, but I don't really recognize. 
Hang on a second. It's some stupid. This is Hush by Deep Purple. Do you guys know this song? Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. This part of it. This is the best part of the song right here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is that the one that goes hush, hush, hush? hush. Yeah, I see. 100 night guarantee. So once that you're once your puff the magic dragon idea gets shot down, you come you you yeah, come okay. yeah, We'll have a couple of campaigns. Yeah, we'll have the old guy one and this one. You know, a little more contemporary, still a throwback. <laughs> yeah, a little more contemporary. Now we have to look for a we have to <laughs> find a new rock song. Oh uh, yeah, this is more contemporary from 1975. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is compared to Puff. Oh no, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Dan, are you in a, an emotional state? Are you ready for? Uh, I can I can handle it at this point. I think for yeah. some news. All right. <sighs> All right. Well, here we go. Dan Duran time. Everybody. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes and has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now, as is often the case Dan Duran's news brought to you by HealthGage HealthGage.com Get the wearable medical device That keeps track of your vitals 24 hours a day uh, HealthGage.com. The promo code is HumbleFredHG for 15% off at checkout. 15% off HealthGage.com. And now with the news brought to you by HealthGage today, here's the very healthy and um, interesting uh, Dan Durant. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're very welcome, Dan. Okay, so Neil Patrick Harris finally had to apologize for a Halloween meat platter shaped like Amy Winehouse's corpse. What? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> What the hell? So, what did you just say? Like social, this is what happens when social media, you know, gets going. So about 11 years ago, there was a party. So Amy Winehouse died in 2011 mm-hmm. in July. In that October, uh, for a Halloween party, Neil Patrick Harris and his husband had a party that had a meat platter shaped like, you know, Amy Winehouse. And you know whatever Mm -hmm. just it was just a goofy whatever and yeah so somehow a photo of this has resurfaced in social media it's been making the rounds and finally uh yesterday neil patrick harris had to apologize for it uh because it was making too much mess i guess in the world so he said the corpse of amy how uh by the way it's actually the 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 label on it was the corpse of Amy Winehouse right next to the dish. Okay. So he uh, had to say it was a regrettable then and it was, remains regrettable now and that he was sorry for whatever he had done. When did he do it? 11 years ago. So, and he's apologizing now? Yes, because and, it's made a reappearance. I, I know, but why does he have to apologize for it now then? It was 11 years ago. Because uh, people, because it's making such a, people are upset about it all of a sudden. You know, people can, here's the thing about people. Let me tell you something. Here we go. <laughs> oh, here's the, let me tell you something about people. They can okay. be, they can, it's okay, and I know this isn't a popular opinion, it's okay to be offended. It's okay to be upset. It doesn't mean that 
You're not going to be okay. But Mm -hmm. for some reason, in the last 15 years, mostly in the last five, Mm -hmm. the worst thing somebody can be is offended. But I don't Mm -hmm. know why that is anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. it seems like that's the worst. You've offended me, and I've heard smarter people than me talk about this, but it used to be you get offended and fucking move on. But not only can I not be offend, offend anyone, I've got to stop mm-hmm. doing whatever it is I did. In this case, I have to go back in time <laughs> and stop doing it 11 years ago. <laughs> it's like, fuck, I did it. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, and being offended seems to be the worst thing that somebody can be. And sometimes those things that were done at the time, in retrospect, are bad. But at the time, you have to appreciate what the situation was the atmosphere yes. was and like nobody's cut any slack anymore that way it's like get over you know my buddy darren was telling me the other day too if you really look into the ryerson thing about the uh, residential schools he was actually on side and trying to educate people and his his role in that if you really look into it isn't the calamity that it has become yeah right? I, 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 I get that it stuff. but that's but that's a more complicated issue right that's a bit because because you can delve in there's that's a debatable mm-hmm. issue i'm just talking yes. about the fact that yeah the, i know the worst thing you can do to somebody is offend them now whereas it used to be you know you know yes. people would get offended and go I, I, well here's the thing there's stuff that we did on our show we've i've played some clips Right. That we could not do now. We couldn't have oh. that character, Howard Chan. We couldn't no. have you doing. Yeah, I mean, we could have you doing Goohead, but I mean, basically, it was just like making fun of people with funny accents. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, that that would be gone. There's lots of things we all said, but I just find these stories about, you know, so that's why I mm-hmm. asked you, when did it happen? You know, like it happened 11 yes. years ago. Mm-hmm. And now that people are seeing it again and they're being upset about it again, but it, and you put it, you know, when you put things in context, doing things like, and, and that certain words never used to be offensive. They were just part of the vernacular. Well, now they're offensive and we get it, but you can't go back in time. You know, that story about Kevin Hart, you know, had to, uh, if you guys remember a few years ago, he was going to host the Oscars and then some homophobic things he had said on Twitter 10 or 15 years before came to light and they had to cancel him. But at the time, to your point, it wasn't it wasn't out of the ordinary for someone to say that. Yeah, and not that it was, yeah, I guess it was wrong. But again, at the time, there's no perspective on this stuff anymore. And what bothers me about going forward, we've said this many times, young people nowadays, you know, sometimes you have to take your lumps. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to take an insult. You've got to thicken your skin a bit because that's the real world. You know, we're so protective and we don't, you know, we want to shield them from everything. Well, when they become young, young adults are out there in the real world. Where was the preparation for any of that? And think about Kevin Hart. Like Kevin Hart, if you, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to say this lastly. Actions, not words, are what count in the real world. And Kevin Hart's mm-hmm. actions around the world of homophobia are, he, mm-hmm. he has a, a great record. Same with Neil Patrick Harris. Like, look at Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. How could you get so offended over a, a, something silly as a meat corpse? It's so dumb. But the fact that anyone could get that excited about it is beyond me. But then again, I'm, well, an, old, also, I'm, I'm an old man, and I'm going to probably not be here that much longer. 
And also, uh, like uh, your 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 reference there to Academy Award cancellation guy to Neil Patrick Harris, they're both both their stars, Kevin Hart's star and and Neil's have have started to shine brighter over that period of time since they did whatever they shouldn't have done mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. where they ended up. Right, so now it's being regurgitated, and then uh, sometimes uh, this stuff gets attached to them as their brand. You know, so all of a sudden now, oh, he's the guy that did the Amy Winehouse Corp. So he's got to say something now that, you know, and all the things that he's done in that time, both good and bad, somehow this pops up somehow Mm -hmm. on social media. Exactly. And no one was given a crap about it. Right. You know, we never really get into the Dave Chappelle incident. No, I know. Like we just sort of, you know, we refer to it, never really get into it. You know, and there is an indication too, right? Like he's... Not, not allowed to say that stuff, according to some people. You're and and think about allowed. this. Listen, when when Chris Rock was slapped by that asshole, mm-hmm. Will Smith, mm-hmm. and people were like, oh, you know, comedians are overreacting. Kathy uh, Griffin <laughs> said, you know, this is going to be open season now in comics. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. if you think about it, one of mm-hmm. the biggest comedians, one of the biggest stars on the earth got accosted while in the middle of a performance. Mm-hmm. Because somebody didn't like what he was saying. And mm-hmm. again, I know that he, again, it's a bit complicated because it has to do with trans people and he's been, but he's just saying stuff. He's not doing anything. Although people argue, well, he's inciting violence against trans people. But the trans people are inciting violence against him. Yeah, no, on no level is he inciting violence against, I mean, it's interpreted that way, but it, that's not the... Mm-hmm. It's making a joke. You know what I mean? Like, oh, anyway. And the thing well, is, it, yeah. it's not getting any better. It's just getting worse. Yeah. Like, like nobody's going to be able to joke about anything eventually. Like, every time you go to say something, you're going to have to stop down and go, ooh, I better think about this. And it takes away the spontaneity. Uh, the spontaneity and yeah. on and on. And well, and like I said to you at the beginning, crazy. Dan, like uh, the, uh, like I know, the, it seems like the worst thing you can do. God forbid we offend somebody. You know, like you know, I've been doing uh, talking in front of people for a long time, and it hasn't been until this last wave of my comedic career that I've even considered. Oh, that might because I, I said I, I'll just quickly say this: I've never experienced the phenomenon of people being offended for me by shit I'm saying about myself. Like that's ridiculous. No. Like think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, making yeah. jokes about mm-hmm. being Jewish mm-hmm. and saying stuff about it, and I'm being. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get a couple of the lines I have get a little bit of an ooh reaction, mm-hmm. which I find bizarre because I'm the one saying it, and it doesn't offend me. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, do you have any true, more? Man, true. Do you have any more stories? I thought it was very profound. Dan, do you have any more stories? I do happen to have one last story. If and now, like to, story uh, number music. two, brought to you by Health Gauge, a proud sponsor of the Dan Duran News today. HealthGauge.com, fifteen percent off at uh, Health Gauge with promo code HumbleFredHG. Daniel, dogs can smell your COVID. Finnish scientists finished their research uh, and published it yesterday showing dogs can ID a COVID-infected human 88% of the time. Wow. People infected hmm. with the virus had a particular sweaty aroma, mm. just maybe like that's, your left armpit. Uh, maybe that's what's happening. My ar- Maybe just my armpit's got COVID. You have that. that it's called left COVID. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's called I got COVID pits. 
Dogs have up to 300 million smell receptors in their noses compared Jesus. to a five or six million in humans. And uh, 40% of their more brain space is devoted to analyzing smells yeah. for the dog. So Stan can pick up the faintest whiffs of any odor better than any mad-made instrument. Yeah, he's, he's smelling some stuff around here lately, man. Hey, speaking of Stan, I took him out yesterday and he chewed on this log for about a half an hour. And I'm like just walking back and forth, hitting golf balls. And I look over and every time I looked over him, he's just hauling away, like just running. He's getting, mm-hmm. getting all excited. I come home and about a half an hour later, I would go out and I see he has puked up. <laughs> Fucking thing. You shouldn't take a picture. Just puked up like a pile of wood scraps. I'm like, mm-hmm. do you fucking eat those? Like, I just thought the dogs chewed them and spit them out. But he chews them and eats a certain amount of wood. And, you know, that has the potential for a big veterinarian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really does. If it just goes down the wrong way. Oh, Jesus. 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 Kyle Kirby. I'm sorry, Dan. Kyle Kirby is here. He, uh... First week that since he's been our intern, I mean, you know, the first day he was on our show, he was late, but ever since then, he's been pretty reliable. But this week, we got our first intern excuse. Kyle, how are you today? Don't cry, Kyle. I've been better. Do you have the COVID? I don't think so, no. I think I, uh, I don't know. I've got some kind of infection. Could it not be a virus? You haven't tested yourself? No, I haven't. Um, oh. But I don't. It's, it doesn't share a lot of the symptoms as COVID, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, as far as you're concerned, as a uh, scientist and physician. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. With my medical degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, did you get that at Humber, wherever the fuck you go? <laughs> did you get that on the side? What do you mean? You didn't. You didn't go get yourself a little, just a quick test over at the Sobies. No, I've actually heard that they were out of them, so I didn't even bother. And okay. I'm not even doing really much other than coming live on here. I'm not going out. So All right. I figured, you know, I'll just stay sick and leave myself in here. You're in your prime screwing years. Why aren't you out in a boat? Well, because he's sick right now. <laughs> Where do you think I got this from? <laughs> oh, very nice. <laughs> That's right. You got a little... Uh, is that where you got it from? Some uh, side action? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. There's only so much I can say. All right. All right. So uh, we got a note from Kyle, and he's like, hey, my throat's not feeling well, and I, I can't do anything. Um, and then Dan suggested that you write a script, and Dan could voice it. But I also thought, well, okay, you can't voice anything, but you could have put together just a little audio, you know, something or other, you know, my friend. But I don't want to be too critical. I mean, God forbid no, I'll be offended millennial. What is with you, millennials? Why is the worst thing you can be is offended? The fuck? Honestly, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't know the answer to that one. Are you a he, him, or are you a they, them? Or who are you? I'm a fucking he, you know. I'm All right. just, you know, I'm a regular guy. Just he, I regular just guy. Say, yeah, you're not easy supposed now. to be proud of being that. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. How yeah. dare you be proud of being a regular person? <laughs> be careful with your... What's that, Dan? Howard? Howard, regular is not the word to use. We're all regular. Oh, I know that. Listen, I'm... We, I... we just come in different shapes and sizes and, 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 and models. <laughs> As regular, Howard. As some of you know, I won't get into details, but I have a they, them in my life, and it's hard. It's I, not hard oh. having them in my life, but it's difficult because, I don't even want to say it. I don't want to say it's difficult. It's an adjustment. When you're talking to somebody and you have to be careful, the pronouns you use. Now, we've all 
heard about this in the abstract, but I have to deal with it in the practical. And uh, it's uh, it's a challenge at times. So give us an example. <laughs> it's well. No, seriously, because I, I like I and, and I love that person, you know, um, I didn't want to get. I don't want to get too deep into this because I'll just lose on on every front. I, oh, okay. I, I just I'll just say this: it's been an adjustment, and I'm happy to do it because I respect anyone's how anyone wants to identify themselves is none of my business, and I'm happy to go along with it. I'll just say for a person in their 60s, mm-hmm. it doesn't come naturally, sure. and it's a work in progress. I was going to say, Kyle, your generation. I'm sure you've got, well, maybe you don't, but I would assume you know some people that identify in different ways. And, you know, even in your mid-20s, it can be an adjustment. Yeah, honestly, I think I only have met maybe one or two people, and I always had to remind myself to to make that conscious choice to call them she or them or they or whatever they preferred at that point. Howard, when the term they, Mm -hmm. so you don't say is she coming? You say, is they coming? Yes. But that sounds plural. I, do, I know. It's, yeah, it's the whole so, plural thing is... Uh, okay. It's, but un, the it's thing unnatural. Is now, yeah. Do those people, to, when they're not around, do they still... If they said to you, listen, if you're referring to me when I'm not around, can you still refer to me as they, not she? Does it go that far? Here's how it goes. Okay. When discussing any person that identifies in a non traditional way Mm -hmm. in a sort of a non-binary whatever Mm -hmm. i still try and refer to them as they and them as opposed to she and her um partly i was gonna let me finish this when i'm talking to somebody that knows them Mm -hmm. so in conversation about them that's how i refer to it now if i was talking to somebody that didn't know them i might refer to them as she and her but part of it is and be honest, it's just to practice to be, you know, to be fair. I'm just trying to get used to it because, you know, it's not, again, it doesn't come naturally and it seems a bit odd, but I have no, uh, I'm not one of those guys that's going to like, well, fuck it. Seems like, why should I bother? I don't know. There's, people want me to do it. No, because then you sound like a anti-vaxxer or a, yep. you know, um, um, and what is it again? This is a, again, this is a live it's the non-binary thing and it's it's not like it's got nothing to do with bisexuality or anything does it it's what is it again like what is the point the point is again and i don't want to get too deep into this because i I would never want this to be uh an issue but i would just say don't 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 then i don't really know the answer is just that that they they, that that people uh, don't want to identify as male or female they want to identify as a non-binary human and that's their prerogative. See, in all my life, I've been I've been desperate to be identified as a man. <laughs> that's right. We're both just trying. Someone just referred to us as men. Um, yeah, they would call that toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah, they might. They might do that. Um, okay. Well, listen. Let's not uh, linger on this subject any longer. You know, we still have a few people we'd like to uh, acknowledge for being part of our program so just before we do this so kyle so you're you're gonna try and maybe create some content for us for next week even though you can't talk you can still edit stuff okay um uh, i am slightly getting my voice back a few days ago i wouldn't have had anything coming out no i hear you but did you hear what i said like it you need to produce something 
So Absolutely. freedom e- stuff. Yeah, that. freedom, anything. And you want, just, but just do something. Because now a whole week's gone by with you not getting any hours. Uh, and uh, we need to help you uh, accumulate that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, bro. All right, bro. And I'm here for you for voicing if you need a voice. Dan and, uh, Duran. I'm sure uh, Howard or Fred would do the same. No, but Dan, double I think that's scale, a- though. Double scale. <laughs> well, no, I, I actually, you know what? Why don't you come up with something, Kyle, for Dan to voice? I think that'd be cool. Uh, I'd love to hear it. So uh, yeah, in the meantime, who are you, uh, who are you talking, Fred? Eh? Who are you talking? Well, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Go to chamberplan.ca. I always recommend, you know, you can get a free quote. The badge is there. Of course, you want to find out what it's going to cost, but take some time. Scroll down. Look at the uh, testimonials. Uh, The names of the people, their companies, they've bought in out of the uh, Chamber Plan concept. Uh, The testimonials are great. Like, again, it keeps coming back to the same thing. Small business doesn't think they can be part of something like this. Actually give a benefits package to their people. Well, you can. Uh, Take a little time to find out exactly how it works and how small companies, a bunch of them together, can have the image of a huge company, which means your premiums are kept at an affordable level. And they've done a great job of keeping... Uh, those uh, premiums, you know, low over the past few years, even through COVID. It's remarkable, really. Uh, prescriptions and dental plans and therapies and some mental health uh, assistance. It's all there, even an HR. And then we've talked about the travel insurance. It really is top to bottom, a great plan for small business. Chamberplan.ca. Mm, 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 mm. I uh, literally forgot what I was going to wrap the show up with. Uh, all right, well, let's wrap it up anyway, because there's a lot of uh, chitty chat. Kyle, thanks for dropping in. Just hang on a second. Dan Duran, thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Of course, that goes without saying. Thanks to Jeff Lumby. Jeff and Julie moved to France. Uh, all the links are on our website and, of course, social, all that stuff. Go check out Jeff and uh, Julie on Facebook as well. They've got a dedicated site or a dedicated page for that. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah. Stop stealing fucking Range Rovers, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Watch your meat platters. Watch your meat platters. Hey, and, and, and you know how, again, with social media and all the news services and everything, can you imagine if you do drive a luxury automobile in this city? Like, so you couldn't help, but everywhere you are now sort of looking around. I mean, that's just human nature. That that would suck. I mean, it's it's a great endorsement to drive a shitty car, I'll tell you that. Well, it's, I, I told you this. One of the first things I thought of is what you said. Yeah. Like, well, I'm, I'm, no, one's, no one's carjacking my mm-hmm. shit box. Mm-hmm. Shit box. That's what we used to call them, Kyle. Do you understand anything? Well, we still year, call what, them what, that. What year were you born? 97. Jesus. 97, Fred. That's what the, what the year we were number one in Toronto. Mm-hmm. 18 to 34, men and women. Yeah. That's how long yeah. we've been doing this, Kyle. That We were in our 30s when you were born. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys could have fooled me. Why do some people get to live and some people get to die? <laughs> no, all people get to die. <laughs> but Kyle's going to live. By the time, do you understand, you two, that by the time Kyle's our age, we will have been dead for probably 30 fucking years. No, I We'll don't. never know how Kyle turned out. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I notice a lot of stuff in the news now when they're talking about building highways. Oh, or yeah. Certain programs, they'll they'll name a year and it'll be like, fuck, I may not even be alive then. Yeah. You know? It's oh, yeah, like uh, by 2062, this whole infrastructure should be in place. It's like, okay, super. I won't be part of it. <laughs> That's right. <You> know? <laughs> uh, there, there is some comfort in that going, well, I won't be paying any taxes then. Yeah, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thanks to everyone. We got to go. It's a big, uh, beautiful world out there, Kyle. Embrace it. You know what, Kyle? Just embrace every goddamn day, okay? Just try that. All right. You like the three of us. You see how positive we are? <laughs> Christ, Kyle, don't be offended, okay? Yeah. yeah. All right, I got it. Yeah, if somebody makes a remark about, you know... Uh, your binary status. Stand around, ladies and gentlemen, all man. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Hush Blankets, and our newest sponsor, Relaxicare. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, drive a shitbox, be careful with your meat platter, embrace every goddamn minute every day. Like and subscribe. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Oh,